1: Love Talk Radio.
2: Peace and love to everyone. This is Barbara Wesley Grace speaking to you from Bedford-Stuyvesant, the village of Bed-Stuy here in Brooklyn, New York. And I would like to thank you once again for sharing your Sunday afternoon with us. And today we continue with part two of our last episode two weeks ago when we had as our special guest Dr. Chris Sawpaw. Dr. Chris Sopal is renowned naturopathic doctor who has a wealth of knowledge to share with us today. And I must say that excited to have him with us again. Uh, and he's uh, going to be with us ongoing at least once a month. And, of course, those of you who follow uh, us through Facebook and other social media platforms will be advised to those dates. I'm thinking off the top of my head that perhaps the last Sunday of each month by, might be a, um, a doable schedule. I have to confirm that with Dr. Chris. But um, I must share with you a little bit of his his background, if, as it were. Um, he's a renowned naturopathic doctor throughout the uh, African diaspora and within this nation of the United States and beyond. He received his Bachelor of Science in Material Science Engineering from Rutgers University, and his doctorate of naturopathic medicine from Boxer University and his master's degree in acupuncture from the New York College of Traditional Chinese Medicine. He has a lifelong dedication to healing and has worked with patients suffering from many different health conditions such as obesity, diabetes, hypertension, HIV, AIDS, and cancer. He also is the founder and, and head of Grassroots Naturopathic Medicine, which provides an integrated approach combining both oriental, oriental and naturopathic medical philosophies. The following is a list of the services offered, and if you're interested in a particular modality, you may schedule an appointment for this type of session. If you have a condition and would like help but are unsure which modality would be most effective, come to a free 15-minute consultation, and you will receive a recommendation for the forms and types of healings that would be most beneficial. And later on in the program, Dr. Salkor will give you more detailed information in terms of how to contact him. And without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Salkor. How are you, my, my friend?
3: Hey, brother. It's so good to be on air with you again. Um, I hope Dora is with us today as well. It's always a pleasure to uh, to talk with you all
2: Oh yes indeed You know Dora has uh, come down with a cold uh, She said that she oh, would no. drop by Yeah yeah She's uh, recovering You know we've taken in a lot of vitamin C and, and herbs and so forth And most of all getting a lot of rest But she good, said that good, she good. Make an She said she would make an effort To come downstairs and, and share a few moments with us So prayerfully that will be uh, She'll be able to do that so again, thanks again for coming back on board with us. This is part two from where we left off a couple of weeks ago and right. we were basically covering a few areas of uh, I think concern concerns which is I think shared by many in our community uh, of the African uh, diaspora and particularly the African American community uh, and as I mentioned before we were going to very briefly go over a few of the things that we had discussed back then, and, of course, feel free to chime in 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 any areas that you think might be uh, relevant and appropriate for this uh, particular episode. Okay. Uh, All right. So my first question is, uh, as a naturopathic physician in acupuncturist, and I know that you have been very busy the last couple of years being with the uh, pandemic uh, uh, being upon us, and there's a claim by some in the communities uh, that is supposedly uh, informed that the pandemic is ebbing or it's over and we're in a post-pandemic stage. I wanted to know, is this your particular uh, – do you share the same notion
3: That that we're in a post-pandemic stage, uh, no. I think we're we're currently in the pandemic. I think that we have uh, seen over the past couple of years, sometimes there's surges and sometimes there's depressions in the numbers of people getting infected and hospitalized. But, no, I still believe and prepare as if uh, we're still right right in the midst of this. And so, you know, obviously you want to make sure that you're you're cleaning your hands and you're not putting your uh, fingers in your mouth or your nose, and if you're masking up in in areas where, you you know, you want to mask up in areas where you feel like are high risk where if there are people who may be sick still, uh, I Mm. still recommend um, some preventative measures for folks all of the time. And so, no, I I don't feel like this is uh, we're free and clear of this yet. In fact, I think that Perhaps this is something that's going to be with us seasonally, so um, maybe at least for the next few years. So, um, so no, no I, I am not in the agreement that we're, we're past this yet. I think that we still need to, to operate with some safety and caution. Yes,
2: I, I totally agree. I, I know that in my neighborhood here in, uh, in Brooklyn, in Bed-Stuy, and then, of course, when I take Dora uh, across the Brooklyn Bridge to, to the Wall Street area, Uh, you see a a number of people, I think perhaps maybe 60%, maybe 70 at times, who are not wearing their masks. And and then in our community, it seems to be even more so the African-American community where we are not wearing masks. And I know some of it can be because of misinformation and and not Mm -hmm. really being informed from a scientific perspective. And then there's right. this, uh, there's this apprehension of the fact that indeed uh, this pandemic or the the virus might not be something to be concerned with because of uh, things that have happened in the past. I, what comes mm-hmm. to my mind is strategic uh, you know that experiment as it were, um, which uh, has spread through the community, and that is not to trust um, the, the medical community and not to trust science so Indeed, I think that uh, there has to be a, a redress, as it were. Yeah, we cannot let, a, let our guard down, especially within our community, because in many households we, we are overcrowded, you know, and we have elders uh, in the household. And uh, that's one of the things that I, I was concerned with. And so um, we
3: are, we're affected disproportionately by COVID, Right. And so I, yeah. I, I too I understand some of the apprehension with um complying to what the C D C says based upon uh, uh you know, our historical relationship with the government and with um these agencies that uh that administer health care, right? I, I don't think that we've been treated the best way. However, when we look at the numbers and we, when we take into assessment our own personal losses in this, you know, I think that we've all in our community know people who have uh, suffered from this or have who have suffered loss, and we know that it 's affecting us disproportionately, so I just think at that that alone to me um, conspiracy all conspiracy conspiracy theories considered I think that there are some things that are just true. I feel like african americans people people of color suffer disproportionately, so there are things that we need to do to um, prevent this and so Again, like we talked last week, the conversation needs to be had about our general health, um, how we suffer from a lot of the comorbidities, which sets us up to suffer disproportionately from conditions like SARS-CoVid. Also, um, you know, I think some of the some of the historical trauma that we've had uh, with dealing with the CDC and dealing with the government, and how we're not so um, ready to, to allow them to tell us how to live our lives this way. So I do think that that's something that's there also. Um, for me, when, again, when I look around and I see all of the loss, you know, I think how can I not uh, in this way um, help protect my elders and the people that I love and the people in my family, even, even though I, I do have some skepticism about some of the, the ways that we handled this whole situation as most people do. Um, but I think for me, truth be told, what is, what is fact is that we're suffering. And so when I'm around yeah. people who are immune compromised, when I'm out around people who have comorbidities and I've got kids that are in school and they're, you know, uh, uh, there's always COVID outbreaks in school now and it's, it's not taken as seriously. You know, I put a mask on when I see my mother, I put a mask on when I see the people who I know that this can affect, uh, disproportionately. So I still feel like I operate in a way that's really mindful. And I would just hope that, that people are able to put their um, personal philosophies and their, and their uh, political opinions and things like that aside for those people,
2: right, at the very yes. least. Yes. I, I agree. And I, I thank you for sharing that, uh, that personal information. I must also mention that uh, my queen just arrived, uh, Dr. Doyle mm-hmm. Gray. And she's
1: with us now. Good evening. Hi, Dora. Everyone. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Dr. Chris?
3: Wonderful. Happy you're on air with us.
1: I'm. You know, I'm glad to be here. It might be short lived though, because I'm actually under the weather. But I told my okay. husband that I wanted to at least stop in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And a philosophy that I have not. And so it's speaking to me, I'm under the weather, and I'm listening. But normally, I I used to be a, um, I, I want the listeners to hear this because I'm sure people can relate to it. I used to be very much a type A personality. I will get things done. Anyone that knows me knows that about me. You need something done. Give it to Dora. She'll get it done. It does, and it doesn't really matter what it is. Yes. If it's something I'm not familiar with, I'll figure it out and it will be done. Mm-hmm. So that can be a blessing and a curse at the same time because your mm-hmm. life ends up not being your own and you're always like go, 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 go. So I didn't used to practice the philosophy of listening to my body. I would push, mm-hmm. I would push through. I would know that I didn't feel well but I would get up and go to work anyway. Mm-hmm. I would know that I didn't feel well, and if I had promised someone that I would do something for them, I would right. push through, and I don't do that anymore.
2: Right. That's wonderful.
1: And I think that's something that people need to take consideration when we speak about mind, body, and spirit, mm-hmm. because that mind-body connection we, we've been removed from that connection because of so many different variables, you know, going all the way back to enslavement. Mm-hmm. But even in contemporary times, just the type of work we may do, the, um, the environment that we're in, it doesn't lend itself that much to listening to your body and really taking care of yourself. We always have so many others that we must answer to. And many of us, unfortunately, leave ourselves, our self-care for last. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to mention that, that I would love to stay for the entire show today. But, you know, I'm yes. listening to my body. My body said, go back to bed. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I'm going to have to do that. Yes. And, you know, yes. and, um, it's so good to hear your voice, Dr. Chris. And um, to my husband, I, I know the show is going to be fantastic. I will stick around maybe five or ten minutes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, to our listeners, um, I, you know, we all know how I like telling my story because I learn from other people's stories, and I'm hoping that people learn from mine. Absolutely. And I'm sure you can hear in my voice that my voice isn't even as clear as it normally would be. So. You know, I'm listening to my body. So thank, thank you, everyone.
2: Well, thank you for sharing, honey.
1: Absolutely. Thank
2: you. Yeah,
1: uh, that
2: brings to mind what we spoke about, uh, Dr. Chris, on our last show about uh, listening to the body. And if you're right. self-medicating with alcohol and other drugs and food, you know, you're not able to really tune into your body. And uh, later on in the show, I'd like to talk about that along with intermittent fasting, uh, okay. which was something that I tried to emphasize uh, when I was uh, sharing the the content of this show for today. Um, there's a preponderance, it seems, amongst our community, even before uh, the pandemic, that we were self-medicating for various reasons. Uh, and like you said before, you touched upon, this goes back uh, some 400 years ago when our ancestors were first brought uh, to this this, this, uh, this continent, um, mm-hmm. a way of coping. And, of course, many of us weren't allowed to practice our spiritual and religious uh, 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 practices and rituals, and we were uh, basically uh, forced to embrace a, a, a paradigm that was alienated to our survival. And that still continues from now, you know, from generation to generation gener- to generation. And that's why I'm so excited to have you as an ongoing guest so that you can share your wisdom and knowledge in terms of how can we circumvent that particular continuation of uh, not just misinformation, but certain traditions that we have embraced which are uh, not, to our, uh, um, not good for us, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
3: And and what I would have to definitely say to that is that um, really comes to mind um, exercise, lifestyle, taking care of oneself, honoring yourself, our connection to uh, nature, um, being with nature, being one with nature, um, Mm -hmm. honoring our ancestors, right? Having a, Mm -hmm. uh, a respect and reverence for the world, uh, our ancestors, um, our history. So all of these mm-hmm. things, I feel like, um, you know, I, I do think that there is a disconnection, but I, I feel inspired by some of the young people I meet where I, I feel like they are uh, such go-getters in, in a way that I think other generations haven't been. But I, So I do think that, um there is this, this connection there that we're beginning to reclaim and I see a lot of young people uh stepping up with that and stepping up with new ideas about how to heal heal us from from our traumas, right? Because I think that this mm-hmm. is kind of like the the core in that is that when you uh suffer the way we have there is there's this underlying uh trauma, unresolved trauma, generational trauma almost that uh, still lies within us, and we are figuring out ways on how to uh, have language around that, have discussions around it, how to acknowledge when it it 's present and when it, when it rears its uh, uh, when it rears its head and how to how to kill it right and yes. I think that we 're doing a lot of work around that, and I think that that 's one of the first steps to you know really uh, tackling some of the things that um, we mentioned earlier, like why we are set up for um, a lot of these comorbidities. And I would have to say connecting the dots there, I think that when you do suffer from trauma, more generational trauma, more uh, different forms of trauma, like being a person of color in in, uh, this this country and the society, it's a bit traumatizing to some, not to all. And we do know that now uh, trauma, these forms of trauma are associated with having higher incidences of chronic diseases like diabetes, like heart disease. So to say that mm-hmm. plainly, if you, do, if you do have some form of trauma in your life, and I think most people of color do, you're more at risk of having heart disease, diabetes, and things like that. It's just in your genes. It's just in your wiring, right? And yes. so like, it's a, we even need to start, there too right and, and not just like mm-hmm. the lifestyle thing that we've adapted but the uh the uh illness and the the, the deep set uh traumas that have happened and that we still hold on to that um push us into these um medical issues right and so um there is a woman out in california who is the um, Surgeon General now, appointed Surgeon General of California. She is the first appointed Surgeon General of California. And um, she's an African-American woman, very uh, brilliant. And she speaks a lot about, about this very topic. And the reason why they have this thing in California is because they know that if you don't identify children who are traumatized, if you identify children who are traumatized when they're young, you can circumvent a lot of these people winding up in the healthcare system. Yes. So if you can identify they're young and you can um, help them, then they won't develop the chronic conditions that overburden the healthcare system. And so there's a lot of brilliant people doing a lot of wonderful things to help us through this. So, yeah.
1: I've heard about her, um, Chris. Uh, she has a to huge her name. program uh, I'll, I'll, around ACEs. I've heard about her. She has a huge program around ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And her Absolutely. program, uh, and they, they have uh, trainings. Um, anyone who wants to get certified in learning about adverse childhood experiences, whether it's a healthcare worker or a teacher, or anyone can enroll in that program. Mm-hmm. It's an online program. I believe they have in person as well in California where you can learn about it. Hmm. And the information is amazing. It speaks to what so many um, of the experts are saying, that incidents that happen um, by the time you are seven years old, they're actually embedded in your psyche and in your personality. And if you're not thriving – and succeeding and flourishing the way that you want to, you, you don't mm-hmm. realize it because your, your system is actually programmed. Your system is actually programmed to fail based on the severity of the traumas that you experienced in your first um, seven years. So it, it's very really right. interesting. I'm glad that you mentioned her because it's a huge program that she has going on. I think it's amazing, and I would also have to say
3: that it, it is—it's a physical thing, is what we're beginning to see, right? Is that you know we, when you have this trauma, even if it's generational, not let's not let's skip generational trauma too, because it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it, what tends to happen is that your ability to manage stress, your coping mechanisms are overwhelmed, right? And so when you then get hit with a stressful situation, whatever it may be, you may have a boss you don't like or something like that. If you've had this kind of trauma, generational trauma, your system is, is set up so that you cannot handle the stress, so you're secreting more cortisol, you are um, making more uh, uh, fight or flight hormones, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and things like that, and, we, and making more uh, uh, chemicals in your body that lead to inflammation, and so this is what eventually down the road sets you up for heart disease and diabetes and i think think that if you are genetically set up that way so like you know mm-hmm. you had you know uh ancestors that were enslaved and had come across in the transatlantic slave trade and had survived the brutality of slavery and how your genes may then be wired in a way and so mm-hmm. how you know how, how do we how do we then um assess that and heal from that and I think that some of these trainings probably aren't just for children. I think they would help all of
1: us.
3: (laughs) Right? I
1: I agree. They would definitely help. Well, I'll tell you, because, you know, I love telling personal stories. The training helped me Mm -hmm. because it allowed me to identify the traumas that I went through in early childhood Mm -hmm. Um, and identifying them may be painful but once the pain comes up, then on the other side is the healing, and you're able to exactly. understand why you why you have certain triggers, why why you react in certain situations, why you might feel oh I'm a failure, oh I'll, I'll never um, accomplish this, or and and that oh. contributes to your negative self talk mm-hmm. and the talk the self talk that we give ourselves is the way that we see the world. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to overcome it. There are mindfulness exercises. There are, there are so many techniques that one can use so that, so that we can heal individually and collectively from these adverse childhood experiences. Yes, yes. And we're able also, if you do the training, you're actually able to identify it in others.
2: Mm, right. Because now you right. can
1: look at people in a different way. Instead of judging them, you can wonder, well, what happened to them? Mm-hmm. What needs right. to change? How do I need to be towards them so How that, we they, them? So that we their healing them. can be activated? Yes, right. yes,
2: that's that's very profound. I, I, I think of certain books, such as um, Emotional IQ. Um, uh, the Four Agreements by Ruez, uh, dealing with not taking anything personal, Don't no make assumptions, um, do your best, have impeccable speech. You know, there's various books that are out there, which I'm going to be discussing. Some of them I've uh, featured on previous shows. But I think we need to share amongst ourselves and give gifts to our children and to each other, certain books that deal with higher self-awareness and orientation, mm-hmm. and uh, that's something that I really want to think the drum about, you know, uh, continuously. Uh, I must just say that anyone who's listening in, if you'd like to participate in our discussion, you can call in at 516-418-5829. Again, that's 516-418-5829. Uh, as a matter of fact, I see someone that's on the line right now. And uh I'll just click on if you'd like to share some thoughts with us at this moment, please feel free. Hello, are you there? Yeah, just listening. Okay, great. Well thank you for coming on and listening and I hope you enjoyed the continued uh episode. Uh Doctor Chris. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh You said quite a bit before Dora had spoke, and I really uh, appreciate the fact that how you detailed the generational uh, uh, continuation of trauma. And I think that's something that uh, if if our doctors in our community and other communities had that in their psyche and their understanding, uh, that they would have a tool chest that would be more equipped to service our, our community. And I guess the discussion is how do we have this, uh, uh, this concept embraced? Because I understand, I don't know if it's just a, uh, a saying, as it were, but most allopathic doctors only get about four hours of training in terms of uh, mm-hmm. the proper food to eat, uh, in terms of bedside, so-called bedside matters, and to say anything about learning about the the cultural uh, history of the patients that they are treating, and in this case we're talking about African Americans and people of African descent, as well as Native Americans and Latino Americans. So, uh, I just want to, again, not to be redundant, say that indeed this is something that I'm very happy that you brought up and I hope to have this discussion ongoing uh, as we talk in the future. Yes. Uh, let delve into the concept of intermittent fasting. Uh, that's a subject that has so many areas of, of, uh, of interest and information that cannot be covered in just one episode. But could you explain to us in your terms and, and your understanding the essence of intermittent fasting?
3: Yeah, I actually recommend this a lot in my, my practice for various different uh, reasons, but mostly for blood sugar control and um, even sometimes for weight loss. And intermittent fasting is, is, is essentially what it, what it says. is fasting in, this, in, in a window of time that you deem uh, beneficial to you. And what the studies say is the, the larger that window is that you are fasting in, the better results you get. Um, and so, you know, obviously, fasting has been around uh, for as long as humans have been around. And so, I think that we're set up in this way um, where our bodies kind of know what to do when we're fasting. And so, I think that it's based on that that premise, right? And so that there's this way that you know we we go into this this uh, phase of of uh, holding on to fat, and then we begin to burn the burn the fat because we're not fueling ourselves uh, with with food. And so we can use this principle, um, again, over, over various time windows. And so I think that intermittent fasting or fasting has been in vogue at different times during the course of, uh, you know, my life. I, I remember uh, when I first got into medical school, in two thousands, it was like a big deal. Oh, you got to go to a fasting clinic. They didn't call it intermittent fasting then; they called it something d- different. And um, and I'm sure you know that there's been like movements in fasting, and there's, it's been in vogue and it fell out of vogue. And recently, uh, there is this uh, medical doctor in Canada. His name is Jason Fung, and he started um, this new uh, kind of fasting thing, intermittent fasting. And uh, essentially he's got the fasting clinic in in Canada that sees people with chronic conditions, mostly folks with, like, hypertension, folks with diabetes, folks who are obese, and he heals them just with fasting. And so um, intermittent, again, is fasting in a window. So it can be anything from, like, for three days a week, for instance, if you want to – not eat for 16 of the the 24 hours, or you're only eating in an eight hour window um, and you're only, and you're fasting over 16 hours, uh, then that's what you do for those three days. So it's whatever you deem uh, is doable for you, which is why I think it gives a lot of people flexibility and it gives a lot of people uh, the ability to move it around in their schedules. And so it doesn't have a set time that it works best in. Right. And so, uh, a lot of times, what I typically recommend for folks who are interested in intermittent fasting is to um, to uh, eat from, let's say, like noon till six, and um, you fast all those other times. And technically, mm-hmm. a fast a, a fast uh, could be, uh, according to Dr. Fung, is something that is uh, under uh, 50, 50 calories. So, for instance, if you have, uh, during your intermittent fasting hours, if you have um, a cup of tea with a little bit of, um, let's say, almond milk or something in it, it would be under 50 calories, and so that wouldn't take you out of your fast.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: so you're, and so um, you're, you're, able to drink, you're able to do uh, very, very small portions uh, of food under 50 calories, which would, would essentially be like a drink or something like that, or uh, some tea or some coffee with a little bit of uh, almond milk or something like that, and, and that would be what you would be able to drink or eat at maximum over the time when you're fasting. And what they found that this does basically heals most things. As we know, your body has this incredible ability to heal itself, but we're seeing in studies now that people get better blood sugar control, people get better control of their blood pressure. Um, People who suffer from uh, obesity begin to lose weight in a healthy way, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so it it corrects a lot of the things, uh, for instance, that I feel like are even plaguing our community. Um, we also see your immune system getting stronger. We see that people have better stress tolerance. They sleep better. Um, you know, uh, the benefits go on and on and on. And so, uh, again, it's something that I, I recommend all of the time. I I, uh, I like it a lot. Um, and, um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I first got introduced to fasting from uh, uh, the book uh, – how to Eat to Live uh, yeah. was authored by the Honorable uh, Elijah Muhammad and, uh, and then the next book was Back to Eden by Jethro Gloss and then uh, later on uh, the late brother uh, Baba Dick Gregory uh, made fasting a, a, a household word and uh, I, I, I became more and more uh, excited about the fact that indeed in our community we would start embracing the the tradition of fasting, and of course, as you know, during the Islamic community and other communities. But I'm thinking of Ramadan, which is celebrated every year, and there's a 30 day uh, fast uh, that's incorporated within the uh, rec- the um, embracing of the ceremony uh, every day of Ramadan. So. All right i 'm just encouraged that now, as you said, the youngsters uh, the young adults in our community are now um, embracing uh, the notion that indeed we uh, die medicine and not medicine that food and embracing the concept of fasting and and it seems like by default with the pandemic and with the economy being the way it is. Many of us are just inadvertently fasting as it is, uh, perhaps right. without, not within the windows that you're talking about, but we're finding out that we're able to survive with less food. And yeah. my, prayer yes. indeed, my prayer is that indeed we're able to really circulate. Uh, I'm going to be approaching certain uh, uh, reporters and uh, people who write for various uh, newspapers and other uh, publications that we need to consider this to be a, a subject matter that anyone who's capable of writing and communicating needs to share within our communities and beyond.
3: Yeah, and so Jason Fung has a few books there, too. I think one of them is called Diabesity, and the other one is an intermittent fasting book. And, again, he's the doctor that, uh, you know, has recently made this more in vogue and, uh, in his fasting clinic. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, they use various different windows to get people to um turn around their medical conditions. I, I know that there, there are case studies in his book that even say that, you know, they, they fast people sometimes for weeks, just water only, right? And so oh. uh-huh. um, or they they would they may have, you know, uh three days on where you're fasting for three days and actually one I had a patient who decided, I told him, okay, well, why don't you just do uh, 16 hours a day, you're fasting, and he said, okay, and so he goes home, and he's like, uh, does the fast, and I see him like a month later, and he is maybe 30 pounds less, right? And I was like, wow, what are you doing? I <laughs> said, you
2: <laughs>
3: And he says, well, you know, I, he said the fasting for me was so easy. He said, I started doing it three days on and three days off. So he says, you know, I, I just made a window that works for me. And so he said I would eat for um, from from like from like twelve to eight three days. And he says I would fast three days. I would like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he would eat. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he would just fast. And in the next three days, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, he would eat, and he would fast. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and he did that. He lost all of his weight, drops his hemoglobin A one C or drops his blood sugar, right? Um, I think that his readings were in the 300s. And then when he came back a month later, they're in the high 100s or middle 100s. He did that in a month. And so I, I think wow. that I saw the magic uh, right up front. And I think that if you can get people to commit to that, or if, or if they have that type of discipline, not everybody does, uh, but it, it is, it, it really, really allows
2: the body to heal itself. Absolutely. I totally agree. I've been reading so much about how that is true. Um, How do you spell Jason's last name? F-U-N-G, Jason Fung. Oh, Fung. Oh, yes. I've seen him on TV. I mean, on YouTube quite a bit. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. See, he's the person
2: that wrote the books that
3: everybody's kind of talking about with intermittent fasting and um, and just recently made it in vogue And uh, I think he's a nephrologist uh, Decided that he wanted to And obviously he was probably seeing a lot of people who had diabetes And, you know, he started a fasting clinic in Canada And he's, he's perhaps getting people off of dialysis And healing them So, um, you know, I, I think it's it's really wonderful To have him have, uh, do that work and write this book
2: Yeah Absolutely yeah, I've seen a couple of his uh, videos uh, for the last uh, couple of years, and uh, I'm very much impressed by him. And I have to get yes. his book, that's to sure, and review it and have it posted. Um, well, we have the holidays approaching us, and I'm always concerned about uh, our community in terms of how we've been... Um, bamboozled that I guess is the first the best word I can come up with to believe that indeed the food that we celebrate with is not healthy especially the sugar-based foods and um, if anything we need to be on top of is uh, having a healthy diet uh, during the pandemic as it were you know having a healthy immune system And um, that's something that I'm really concerned with, and I want to do future shows uh, dealing with that. I mean, we're in October. We have November coming, and then, of course, December and and New Year's. So I'm really uh, looking forward to us uh, having a discussion, a very serious, courageous discussion about how diet is so important in our community, especially during these times. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything to share about the, uh, your practice in terms of how you uh, inspire your your, your 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 patients to have a, a diet that's uh, advantageous for their well-being, especially during the holiday yeah. season? Yeah.
3: and and so so when people come to me, um, they have various different issues, right? So. A person who's got high blood pressure, you gotta put them on like a low sodium diet and you gotta give them fiber and and um and if they've got inflammation in their arteries you gotta make sure that they're not eating and too many too many oxidized fats or sugars right so fats or sugars if they've got blood sugar issues you gotta put'em you gotta make sure that they're not doing a lot of carbs and so I think that it's a really first of all it's a really individual thing right and so in my practice, we tailor. Uh, make the diet based upon what the person is suffering from right and so obviously we we try to eliminate uh any of the egregious uh things that they're doing and so if they're you know having donuts every night before bed right it it doesn't matter what you have that's not going to help so we got to get rid of that but if they're suffering from more like say let's say rheumatoid arthritis or something like that i find uh autoimmune paleo diet may be the diet that i would recommend for them uh or if they've got rheumatoid arthritis and a history of digestive issues that may that may stem their if the rheumatoid arthritis for some way we think stems from a leaky gut syndrome um where uh their their gut's damaged and it's uh uh perhaps uh become a little bit more permeable than it should be and it's Slipping proteins into the blood and the immune system starting to get uh, um, um, irritated. We would recommend a different type of diet, more like a GAPS diet or uh, the diet that's been uh, – well, GAPS is an acronym for gut and psychology syndrome, but it's really, really good for, for just healing up uh, a gut that we believe could be triggering the autoimmunity, right? And so I say that all to say – that I think diets are very individual. I even mm-hmm. think who I, we, we mentioned last week who's got, uh, this, this lectin hypothesis with diet that there's some people who don't do well, um, based upon how the proteins interact with, uh, proteins and food interact with your body. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, an elaboration of that was done, or I think a more developed uh, idea of that was done before he wrote this book. It's the blood type diet or the genotype diet, right? And mm-hmm. so I think that what, what they kind of tend to point to is that they're um, more like diets for particular gene types or blood types, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think may be, may, be, may be kind of true. I think that my uh, fallback in practice is always – To to see the patient in front of you, think about their unique concerns, put them on a diet that's going to help get them where they need to be, that is uh, whole foods, right, that is Mm -hmm. mostly organic, that uh, has lots of antioxidants, lots of colorful uh, vegetables in there, Um, uh, that is um, void of... Uh, refined foods, packaged foods, canned foods, right? Uh, that mm-hmm. is as, as close to what, um, you know, um, we ate when we were more of a farm culture, right? Where, where you know, it was more farm, farm-to-table kind of eating. If it's more close to that, I think it's generally, in general, more healthy. And so if you have to ask me, like, what is – what is a just is there a general like universal theme i think it's got to be a whole foods diet we got to stop getting yes. packaged goods all of this canned food and you know canned sodas and all of these things and eating out right because i think a lot of times when you eat out and you're not preparing your own food that all of these other ingredients are put in there that you're not anticipating are in there and so it may seem like it tastes good and it's healthy um but it may not be and so just like embracing that, like more whole foods, more preparing your own meals, making the ritual around uh, preparing your own food, and then considering your unique circumstance as a patient, as a sufferer of a particular condition and how you can best address that with diet. Like what can you add into your diet that will help you with your condition, right? And so if you have some kind of inflammatory condition, right, where it's like rheumatoid arthritis or uh, autoimmune disease, let's say, for instance, and you want to make sure that you're eating more turmeric and more uh, rosemary and more ginger, right, and mm-hmm. things like that. If you tend to have dysbiosis or an imbalance of bacteria in your gut where you have something like IBS or a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, beta or something like that, maybe you want to make sure that you're eating a little bit more. Um, you know, like oregano, or um, in some cases, for some people with IBS, garlic, but garlic doesn't work for everyone um, mm-hmm. and with IBS. And so and so um, things like that you want to consider more, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, if you've got blood sugar issues, right, then make sure that you're eliminating carbs and you're having um, healthy sources of protein and fat and fiber that are the foundation of your diet. And uh, you're, uh, again, eliminating the carbs and eliminating the packaged refined foods uh, that complicate, you know, that aren't good for anyone who, you know, who who, uh, has blood sugar issues.
2: Awesome. I I want to get back to you regarding uh, uh, gut, uh, good and bad bacteria from the gut. Yeah. Especially as it pertains to us who are of African descent, our ancestors who were on the plantation, ate the remnants mm-hmm. of the so-called slave master, and that's the advent of chicklings and pig feet and all types of meats that uh, produce bad bacteria in our system. And again, as I talk about the holidays approaching, each year we have a, uh, a surge I would assume, of bad bacteria in our gut from the uh, celebrational uh, food that we eat going back to the plantation, as it were, uh, uh-huh. of our ancestors. I see we have someone on uh-huh. line raising their hand. I'd like to just take a moment to acknowledge them. Uh, hello. You, know, listen, would you like to share some thoughts with us?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, he's absolutely right about the diet. And some of these uh, disease, this unbalances that our body experiences, uh, like the high blood pressure and so forth. You know, modern-day Homo sapiens got their predisposition of diabetes was a genetic that was passed on by the Neanderthal. and something we don't have anything to do, but you can control it with your diet. And many of those things, spots in your eyes, you can control those with your diet. The exercise, but, You know, I just mm-hmm. want to talk about one other thing real quick. The sure. mental disposition that many of our men and women have, and I like to call it booty disease, because mm. it seems like these women are putting so much emphasis on those locations of their body, and men are just falling. Oh, it's that they're causing some mental problems, thus, in fact affects other areas of your body, of your complete system.
2: What's your opinion on that? Uh, Dr. Chris, would you like to share your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I
3: do think that there's uh, this obsession with, with, with that. I feel like uh, there's lots of obsessions right now because we live in this culture where we just have so much access to Uh, lots of different media, and you can't get people off their phones. You can't get people off of, uh, you know, their computer, right? And so I do think that this is uh, plaguing us and setting us up for having bad bad health, but also bad relationships, right? You know, like I think that when you – you know, as you said, fantasize about or focus all of your attention in that area of the body, and you know, my question then becomes: How do you show up in a relationship? Right? How do you how do you how does how does a relationship work for you? Where you have these kind of warped ideas of what uh, a partner or your partner should be, or you or your partner looks like, and if uh, your partner aspires to be those things, you know, how how are you showing up in a relationship? How do you? How are you treated by uh, your partner? I mean, how do you? Uh, I mean, are you concerned with? Are you are you concerned with like cultivating some deeper kind of connection? Um, mm-hmm. Again, I think that. Again, I think that what a lot of that has to do with. I feel like if we're at this point at this juncture in our culture. We're just so exposed to stuff like that all of the time right it just hits us you I mean you can't turn on a turn on the news or turn on the tv or or put on your computer without it being thrown up in your face and so i think yeah. that there's this kind of uh, i think that there's this kind of programming going on not just in our people i think what everyone is obsessed with that right yes. everyone is obsessed with it, right i think there's just this kind of programming going on and i have uh three young girls i'm a father of three young very young women um four six and eleven and I, I, like, fear this very particular issue because, I mean, there's so much focus on, like, uh, the, phys- the physicality of a person as opposed to kind of, like, what's between their ears and in their heart. And I don't mm-hmm. think that we get, you know, you, know you, don't, you, don't, you don't get that much through social media, right? It's all, all of this kind of quick, these visuals that we get that kind of uh, form this imprint on your brain. And um, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like looking at porn and how that frames your brain differently and makes you make um, different uh, chemicals, right? There's actually this book on that that's called, I believe it's called A Cupid's Poison Arrow,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, where uh, it is elaborated on this kind of uh, obsession we have for these these. These visuals and how it's framing our perception and how it frames the way we make chemicals like uh endorphins and how we secrete testosterone and things that allow us to have a nurturing loving uh passionate relation, real passionate relationship right um so I do think that there is some something around that yes
0: and you know one other thing too if you guys don't mind you're talking about the natural. I use uh, frankincense oil and myrrh oil on my knees and you be, wouldn't believe that the pain goes away yeah and, you know, the pain just disappears and, and of course you have to keep up with it but uh, these remedies or should I say these products these substances that's all around you that you step over and don't pay no attention to them, and you know we use them for incest the burn and so forth but The oil itself does a marvelous job. But anyway, I'm going to let you guys get back to your program. I surely appreciate your observation.
2: Yeah, what what is your name, your first name, brother?
0: My name is Pianki. P-I-A-N-K-I. It's uh, refreshing to hear a different type of programming, like uh, what you're offering, and to be so accurate in the topics and how you go about explaining things. And then... Two, when people can relate to what you're saying that they've experienced, it makes all for a better day. Well,
2: uh, so thank you, brother, and I thank you for sharing um, your knowledge and your, your sentiments. Uh, it's heartfelt. Hey, uh,
3: Baba. Uh, before we go, uh, last time we were on, I know we got a few more minutes before we need to go here, but last time we were on, I we briefly talked about uh, something that we would do to prevent and maybe um, do some things that will help us prevent uh, COVID or the flu and uh, help us if we're struggling with that. And I, I definitely want to share that with your audience before we go, because I know we said that we would do that last
2: time. Yes. Please share. No, please, um, please. Hmm? Yeah, and so
3: uh, uh, Baba uh, had asked me um, at the very end of last show, what are some of the the, uh, protocols or treatments? I would say protocols um, to help someone with COVID uh, or a health regime that I used that I found helpful or beneficial for COVID or the flu. And so I would have to say um, uh, this, I get this question all of the time. And so um, first and foremost, there's not many studies on this. So, um, Um, What I'm basing it on are uh, the the few scan studies that are available to us. Um, But I would say, like, the first rung of prevention, you got to make sure that you're eating healthy, obviously, right? And so, again, a whole foods diet with low sugar. um, uh, Try to reduce your fat. Try to reduce your sugar. You don't want to eat a lot of uh, refined foods. You want to try to eat more vegetables, bone broths if you will, things like that, good, good, good healthy sources of protein. Um, I think vitamin A uh, is antiviral. Vitamin C, uh, A is antiviral and it really helps to protect the mucous membranes. Vitamin C is the same. Mm-hmm. D helps with the immune system. Zinc and selenium um, are, are really good preventatively to start. Thing you want to do is focus on, especially in the early stages of a cold or flu. You want to, uh, when you're getting that sore throat or when you're getting that headache, but especially when you first start feeling that sore throat, you want to um, do some ginger quickly in the early stages. And in studies, that's found to shorten the duration mm-hmm. of cold or flu, or even SARS-CoVid. And so, you want to do some ginger, and in any form, you want to. Except dry ginger, right? You don't do dry ginger. You do fresh, uh, ideally fresh juiced. What I've been doing is because my juicer broke, I've been like, I um, got a bunch of ginger at home. I skin it and just put a piece of ginger in my mouth and I chew on it. When I start to get that, 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 uh, that scratchy throat or that headache where I think I'm about to get a, uh, a cold or a flu, you want to make a tea. Uh, With that ginger, also, you may want to sweeten it with some high-grade, medical-grade manuka honey and cayenne. Other things you want to do at the early stages when you're first starting to get sick are uh, echinacea angustifolia, not uh, purpura, but there's an herb, echinacea angustifolia, or elderberry. Um, Other things you want to try, uh, there's an interesting study out of the University of the West Indies. Um, and what I love about this study is they're all they study the effects of these things in tea form, not tincture form, and so it's that makes it really inexpensive and accessible for people who are around, you know, in, in Caribbean communities, right? And so it's been found that um, aloe vera, turmeric, moringa, sorrel, and guinea henweed. If you just make those in teas with aloe vera, you definitely want to do the. Um, the, uh, the flesh or the gel from the uh, the tree. Um, with sorrow, you want to make the sorrow juice. You don't sweeten it. And all of those have been found to, to in studies, have been found to uh, uh, help with um, different vi- uh, viruses. In fact, uh, the one that I didn't mention is uh, cannabis, believe it or not. And uh, this study out at the University of West Indies said that um, – if you consume the herb in a tea, cannabis, weed, or ganja in a tea, there's an ingredient in it or a constituent in it called calphenol that's been found to be helpful in people who've got coronavirus, and so it helps their lungs. So obviously you don't smoke it or you don't take it in and out but you make it in a tea. And so they're doing some really outstanding work at the University of West Indies, so I really wanted to give them a shout-out. And uh, lastly, like a lot of what we know about how to manage uh, these pandemics, right, it comes from China, interestingly enough, because their medical system is set up in a way where they're just not giving pharmaceuticals, right, that their medical system is integrated. And when you go in a hospital, you just don't get prescribed pharmaceuticals. They have clinical medicine integrated and in our hospital, and so they do a lot of kind of uh, mixing these things. So they may prescribe you a uh, a pharmaceutical with a Chinese herbal formula right in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the work that we see from uh, a botanical nature in this comes from China. And so um, what have have we found? Um, So with the flu and coronavirus, you may want to get your pen because these herbs are important to have around you if you're, you're concerned with this. One of the best things to have on you if you are hit with this is an herb called Chinese skullcap. Um, it's also known as bicalin, B-I-I-C-A-L-E-N. I think it's how it's spelled. Um, Could you repeat that again, please?
2: Immunom-
3: Chinese skullcap or bicalin. It's not, it's not American skullcap. It's not, not, uh, um, not American skullcap. It is Chinese skullcap, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called bicalin. Um, so if you're going to Google it or get it from Amazon, make sure that you get the, the Chinese cap kind. You want to get it organic. Um, you can get it in tincture form, or you can get it in a, uh, a formula of a tincture, or you can get it in tea. Okay, but you probably want to get these in tincture forms. Um, mm-hmm. The second herb is Hutunia, H O U H O U T T U Y N I A. And so that herb, Chinese skullcap, let go back to Chinese skullcap. I wanted to say that it's antiviral, but it also is um, anti-cytokine storm. I'm going to explain what that means later in a minute. Um, it's immunomodulatory. Hutunia, the second herb I'm naming, has been found to be antiviral, uh, and, it, and it covers a number of viruses, but SARS, COVID, and influenza are, are uh, two that it, it helps to have some, it has some e- efficacy in studies against. Izatis. Is another one. I S A T I S is antiviral, or it is uh, has some efficacy against the flu and corona. Licorice, mm-hmm. believe it or not, uh, glycyrrhiza glabra, mm-hmm. is antiviral. It helps with our stress response system. Uh, some say that it is uh, helps with cytokine storm. You don't want to consume a lot of licorice, so you just want to do it when it's when it's uh, when you're sick. Mm-hmm. It will raise your blood pressure. It's also estrogenic. So, um, you know, you don't want to do that too much. And the last one is Lomatium, which is uh, antiviral. And um, other additions... How do you spell that? that? Lomatium. How do you spell that?
1: It's
3: L-O-M-A-T-I-U-M. Okay. And uh, other ones that you want to do are, uh, especially in the advanced stages, so if you get sick and you're... And you're Getting sick and then in COVID, they talked a lot about the cytokine storm, right, where the, the person's lungs just, just kept, keeps getting bad and worse and more congested and more full, full of, uh, of, of uh, phlegm and fluids, right? Uh, you want to do uh, er, you know herbs that are expectorant, like Yerba Santa uh, or pleurisy root, but you want to do things that help with the cytokine storm when your body has uh, this virus and the virus is making your body make these chemical messages that are called cytokines that message uh, your immune system to come in and handle this virus. Right. And so you, you, you you know, it it makes these cytokines. And so it's almost really interesting that these viruses are really brilliant in that usually when they create this big cytokine storm, it is, it is not, to, um, not to destroy you or make you die, in which case sometimes it does, but it is to further its spread. And so you wound, wind up making more and more uh, uh, fluids in your lungs. You may wind up bleeding out like what happened in the uh, 1918 pandemic with this huge cytokine storm and people just wind up bleeding out and it, they find out that the uh, virus is being spread through the blood and in covid you had this huge cytokine storm right and the virus is spread through respiratory droplets and um the cytokine storm would make you have more um coughing and sneezing and spitting up and spitting out of uh, an expectorating right so you would spread it more and so mm-hmm. we need to manage this right because um because this is what really could uh spell your spell your end and so um what they found is that a few herbs, SARS, the herb that they found is really helpful, and there's one that especially is has been helpful is the herb called Kudzu, K-U-D-Z-U, okay? Mm-hmm. And others that are really important is uh, the ever-present Astragalus, um, and, you know, we, we've all heard of Astragalus, right? Astragalus is probably one of the most important herbs to have around you, uh, it is very immunomodulatory. It's antiviral. It, it does so many wonderful things. It is absolutely one of my favorite herbs, and so I have it at home all of the time. Others of Cordyceps, it's a mushroom, C-O-R-D-Y-C-E-P-S. And lastly, this Salvia mitrahiza. So S-A-L-V-I-A is the first word, and M-I-T-T-R-O-H-I-Z-A is the second word. And again, that last group of herbs I mentioned are really herbs that have been found in these studies out of China to be beneficial for people who are in the later stages, in the more severe stages, in the cytokine-mediated uh, stages of uh, these infections. And so um, there you have it. There's some other things here I want to tell you, but maybe we can wait for uh, we can go over this again like the next time I'm on the air.
2: Yes, absolutely. And what I want to do is for us to a, uh, uh, create a list. Of the above mentioned herbs and uh, and items, so that indeed we can have that on, on uh, online uh, for people to yeah. refer yeah. to. Yeah. Thank yeah, you so much for thing. squeezing yeah. that in, uh, Dr. Chris. Uh, yeah, yes, we are at the thing. end of the hour, and again, we had just had a a, a very exciting show, and and I'm so thankful to uh, Dr. Chris for uh, taking your time out to share your wisdom and knowledge with us. And we're looking forward to doing this uh, at least once a month. Uh, uh, Is that agreed upon?
3: Yes, absolutely. I'd love to.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, before I end, I'd like to just uh, share this final thought, and that being the well-being of the entire family must be considered when discussing grassroots educational pursuits with our children and youth. That's reading to and with our children uh, becoming a, a lost art, uh, we have to really bear in mind that that's something that, that we need to concentrate on. In some cases, that's being replaced by technology. And a part of the solution, uh, my wife has written a children's book entitled A Stringy Situation, which is both educational and entertaining and is available on Amazon.com. Again, the name of that book is A Stringy situation, that's A, the letter A, stringy, S-T-R-I-N-G-Y, situation, C-I-T-U-A-T-I-O-N, which is both educational and entertaining. And um, the children and adults profess to love this fantasy tale, which is designed to spark an interest in children to learn to play a musical instrument. And there's more to be said about that in the next show that we have next week. And we just ask that you purchase a copy on Amazon, and you can see for yourself. You can also gift a copy to a friend or a loved one, especially now in this time of the year with the holidays coming upon us, and I guarantee that you will not be disappointed. I would also like you to visit our uh, book publishing website, and that's graypublishers.com. We end, as we begin, by giving praise to the Most High God, and by the names in which He or she is known. We praise and give praise to our ancestors, our guardians, deities, angels, and all the heavenly spiritual energies. So I leave you as we begin by saying, Hotep Hetepu, Nabaste, peace, love, and blessings. Until we talk again, I look forward to you being on board. Thank you, Dr. Chris.
3: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes